0: I'm Lynn Kitchen. So glad to be with you today to talk about righteousness, how it covers us. And I hope you'll be very encouraged as I was studying God's Word. This is um, such an amazing topic. God is so gracious to us. I hope that's what you think when you walk out of the room today God's graciousness. Um, I grew up in a suburb just outside of Chicago, and I can sum up my childhood there in three words. I was cold. (laughs) Then when I was 20, I moved to Texas, and my first year here, I could sum up in three words. I was hot. Exactly. Exactly. But I didn't care, because I wanted to get somewhere hot, and the sun was shining, and the people are sunny here, just like the sun, and so I loved it here. But back to my parents um, and Chicago. Growing up, my parents were very frugal with their money. They were also very green before green was the thing to do. I mean, think how many years ago that was, and my dad was the president of this conservation organization, and so, in our house, in the winter... It was cold. They didn't want to spend the money, and they were trying to conserve energy. I used to write my name on the inside window in the ice. On the inside, the frost, yeah. So when I started working, this this was the goal of my life, to buy a warm robe. And so I did. I saved up, I saved up. I still remember what it looked like. It was canary yellow chenille. I looked like Big Bird. But that was okay. Here's the other thing that was crazy. I spent $60 on it. Okay, this is the 70s. I did. That's how cold I was, you guys. $60. I remember my sister saying, "That is such a waste of your money." And I thought, "I do not care." <laughs> I am wearing this. I loved it. I was very, very happy. I lived in that robe. I was finally in something warm and wonderful. Since then, I've been covered in another robe that is so wonderful, words cannot even describe it. And that's what we get to talk about today. The robe of righteousness. Before you and I knew Christ, we needed this robe and we didn't even know it. We thought we were born righteous and we were in good standing with God. Or we thought we could work our way into righteousness and good standing with God. Or we thought God is so loving, he lets everybody into heaven. Or we thought, well, I belong to the right church denomination. And so I'm good with God, I'm safe. I'm warm, but what the self-righteous person doesn't realize is they are standing out in the cold, separated from God, covered in sin. And they don't understand there's no way anybody can have a relationship with the Holy God in their own merit. Romans 3.23 tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, praise God, you wouldn't be here today if this was not true. One day, you realized that you were covered in sin and you needed a robe. But it couldn't be just any robe. It had to be a robe so spectacular that when you put it on, God would no longer see your sins. Which meant we had to put on the robe of Jesus Christ. God the Son, because He perfectly reflected the righteousness of God the Father. The price the Son would pay to provide this robe for us was high. It was His sacrifice on a cross. Look at 2 Corinthians on your verse sheet. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The day you believed, In the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The day you believe Jesus paid the penalty for the sin that belonged to us. The day you realize I am standing out in the cold apart from a relationship with my God. That was the day you received the robe of righteousness. The most spectacular robe you will ever wear. And you didn't get it by money. By your good works, by your kind deeds, by keeping a list of right and wrongs, and by being a member of a particular denomination, you receive the robe of righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ only. Look on your verse sheet, Romans 1. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Romans 3, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Romans 4, to the man who does not work but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. Okay, there are two aspects to righteousness I want to look at today. First, righteousness is positional. It alters my standing with God. Once I was condemned to eternal separation from God, when I wear the robe of righteousness, now I am called a child of God. What a change in my position. And I will forever be a child of God. I will never take the robe off. And it doesn't mean that I was made sinless when I put on the robe of Christ. If that were true, you and I would never sin again. What it does mean is my sins were covered up by Christ. And so when God looks at me, I am forgiven. He sees I'm wearing the righteous robe I received from his son in faith and my sins will no longer be counted against me. Just like we sang a second ago, I'm covered. I'm covered. And I asked Jennifer to sing the other song that um, Behold uh, the Lamb of God before the throne of God. It gives me shivers every time I sing it. And I love this verse. It's talking about Our new position of righteousness. Behold in there the risen lamb. My perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am. The king of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my savior. And my God. My position has changed In the eyes of God, I am now called righteous. What an incredible thing. Look at Philippians 3. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Righteousness, though, is also experiential. This is a new behavior for God. We know it as rightful living or righteous living. We behave righteously in grateful response to our new righteous position in Christ. Look at Romans 6. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. I thought about slavery and one of the things a slave had to do was give up the things that they loved most. And as a slave to Christ, we realize we must do the same thing. Our old habits, now that we wear the robe, our old habits, our old patterns, pursuits, activities, are not fitting under the new robe that we are wearing. We can't make excuses anymore that this is just the way I am. I just have a short temper. I say things that I want to say. I speak my mind. This is how my parents were. I'm just not a patient person. I need all my ducks in a row. I'm just competitive. I've always watched this show. I have a short temper. I'm flirty. I need control. Wearing this new robe of righteousness, we decide we have to be willing to conform to God's Son and let Him chip away at all the sins that have just become comfortable to us and dictate our life and how we decide to live. Um, I don't know if any of you are Alfred Hitchcock fans, the old movies, Um, I just love them. Our family loved them. And I think I've seen every one of them. And, uh, Cassie, my daughter, some way did not ever see the Hitchcock movie, the birds. Okay. So we talk about it and stuff about, Oh, this is a great movie. Well, she was in college. (laughs) was home. And I said, you have still not seen the birds. And she said, no, I go, okay, let's watch it tonight. So we're sitting there watching, and in the middle of it, she turns and looks at me and says, The birds want to hurt the people? (laughs) I don't know what she thought the birds would do, sing with the people. I don't know. (laughs) When we come to Christ, we've had these sins flying in and out of our life. They're dark, they're dangerous, and all of a sudden, we look up and go, You mean... These sins have been hurting me? Whoa. I just didn't even realize that. I'm going to start walking away from them and walking to Christ and changing my life. I have to tell you this real fast, even though it doesn't have anything to do with this, but (laughs) it is a bird story. We have three peacocks that love our house and live around our house. They're always looking in the window at me. But one day, this week, Ted leaves and leaves his garage door open. Mine's shut, his side's open. I step into the garage and press the button to shut his garage door. As I do that, the three peacocks that have been roosting inside the garage that I don't realize come out of nowhere. And peacocks are flying around me. I'm in the middle of the garage screaming, Waving my arms, and I thought, this is just like the movie, the birds. (laughs) Except these are a lot bigger birds. (laughs) Oh, I got out of there as quick as I could. When we start walking this new path, we remind ourselves, my new righteous acts are not changing my position in God's mind. He's not more saving me. He's not more loving me. This is just part of what I am now. They don't change my salvation status. I am not working to please God. I am working because of God, allowing him, wanting his glory we will become his hands and feet on this earth. And that's what we want. That's why we choose righteous acts. And the Apostle John expected those who are wearing the righteous robe of Jesus will also do the righteous acts of Jesus. Look at 1 John. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. He who does what is right is righteous Just as he is righteous. This is what Proverbs is about. Solomon is writing about this righteous living that we were just talking about. Because in the Old Testament, followers of God, believers in God, also wore righteous robes. Guess how they got their righteous robes? Same way you did. Faith. Not by works. Faith. And they had faith in the promises of God. They didn't have Jesus with them. He wasn't born yet. But they believed in God's promises. And one of those promises was that one day God would send a Messiah who would be their Redeemer. And they believed that and, and had that robe of righteousness on. And so it was Solomon's desire, chapter 1, verse 3, that the people who fear God would live out their faith by the right behavior. Behavior that is right and just and fair. Verse 3. And I want to say this before we all go home and pull our hair out. Never did God think we would do this on our own strength. Never. We can't. That just becomes works anyway. We have to do this in God's strength. We can do amazing things in God's strength, even righteous things. Even though we're sinners, we get to do righteous things in God's strength. Look at Psalm 147. I love this verse. I just found this recently. God's pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man, meaning his strength. The Lord delights in those who fear him and put their hope in his unfailing love. Second Thessalonians, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and good work. Wearing the robe of righteousness carries with it the responsibility of living righteously through God's strength. So, let's open up Proverbs, see what righteousness looks like. Turn to chapter 4. And we're going to go back and forth through a few verses here. So, get your Bible where you can get to it. 4.18. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness... They do not know what makes them stumble. This is one of the first times you see the word righteous appear in the Proverbs. It's so encouraging. And when you read that, think, I want to get on that path. How do I get on that path of righteousness? I've told this story before about Debbie Boone, so, but it's perfect here, so I'm going to tell it again. I don't know how many of you remember Debbie Boone in the 70s. She had her 15 minutes of fame. she sang a song you light up my life you could not go anywhere for more than five minutes without hearing the song the dentist's office, the doctor's office on your radio and I don't know, did she ever sing anything after that? she didn't need to it it was everywhere she probably made a fortune anyway, she's actually doing a commercial right now and she sings it I don't know if any of you have seen that she loves God And back in the 70s, I so appreciated her. I happened to have on a talk show. I was visiting my mom. She was about to be married. She was following God's word. She was not living or sleeping with her boyfriend until they were married. And the host of this talk show said, Doesn't it bother you a little bit that God just doesn't want you to have fun and he's just keeping you from experiencing these wonderful things? And Debbie was So Sharp said, oh, you've just got a misunderstanding of what God's commands are. God gives me commands so I will experience good things. So I won't suffer bad consequences. And the host had nothing to say to that. How do we step on to the righteous path that gleams like the dawn? We have to look at God's commands in a new way. We like to think about the commands our parents gave us or our teachers gave us or other people that we really felt like you're just trying to stop me, keep me from doing things. You want to just control me. And then we think that's what God's doing. Let me say this. We have to embrace the truth that the path that God designs for us is for our good. What a difference. You have to change your mindset If you want to step on the path that God has for you of righteousness, this is a good path. God wants my good. This is a path I want to get on. His commands are not to restrict me, punish me, deprive me. They're made to bless me, strengthen me. Protect me, bring me true joy, because they are covered in God's deep love for us. John Piper said this, I think this is the best thing. God's exuberance to do us good is one of the most freeing discoveries a human can make. Oh, that we might believe it and savor it and bring it to mind again and again until it is our very nature to feel this truth that the godly are destined for unknown and inconceivable happiness. That's the path of the righteous. Once we understand that and we change the way we think about God's commands, we'll find out that we're just jumping on that path and we are ready to go. When we approach God's commands with a feeling of obligation, we will feel defeated and resentful. When we approach them with the understanding that they are covered in his love, we will feel protected and cared for and we'll feel victorious. We will want to choose his ways over the ways of this world. Proverbs ten twenty nine says this. The way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous. Look at 1 John with me, verse 5. This is love for God. To obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So we realize the path of the righteous is a path of obedience to God that leads us to a bright future, like Proverbs 4.18 said. It's a gift. And look at 4.19. What's our other alternative? But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. Here's the problem. Our world has this idea of freedom turned around. They believe the less boundaries you have on your behavior, the more free you are. But how free, really, is the individual who makes their own path? And ignores the path of God. This is when we find that we have physical sickness. Emotional sickness. Relational sickness. Heart sickness. These are all enslaving issues. Not free. Freedom issues. When we walk in the freedom that comes with staying on God's path. We are free indeed. Turn in your Bibles. Proverbs twenty nine six. I love this. Twenty-nine six. An evil man is snared by his own sin, but a righteous one can sing and be glad. Proverbs four told us our life will be like Early dawn, when we first see the sun coming up, and it gets brighter, just like it does for us as we go along deeper on a path of righteousness until we are living in the full light of day. That's freedom, that's singing, that's rejoicing. And then, of course, we realize, okay, I'm still going to experience some trials along the way. Wouldn't you rather face your trials on God's path in the light than on your path in the dark? Where Solomon said we stumble and we don't even understand what we're stumbling over. We see things clearer in the light. Then the path of the righteous is a path of obedience that leads us to the protective arms of God. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 11, verse 8. 11.8, the righteous man is rescued from trouble and it comes on the wicked instead. Turn over to chapter 12, 21. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. So we realize built into this path of righteousness is God's plan of protection for us. But when I read those verses, I can get confused. Because you and I know that uh, trouble can still be a part of our lives, even when we're being obedient to God. Even Jesus said, in this world you will have many troubles. So what do these verses mean? I think you know what they mean. I know what they mean. Every time I decide to step off the righteous path and do things my way, guess what's coming into my life at that moment? Lots and lots of trouble. You and I know what he's meaning here. Solomon's talking about bringing unnecessary trouble in our lives because we have stepped off God's ways and tried to do things our ways. Remember Pigpen in the Charlie Brown cartoon series? He was that dirty little guy, and everywhere he went, a cloud of dust and dirt just followed him everywhere he went. You know, when we are living selfishly, Ignoring God's ways. Those little troubles are just behind us. Don't you know people who trouble follows them everywhere they go? And I bet you they are not following God's ways. Solomon is saying there is health and protection when you're staying on the righteous path. Righteous living will avert trouble. Here's why. I want you to turn to chapter 15. It's because we don't walk the path alone. What a wonderful thing. 15.29. It tells us the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The wicked have chosen to distance themselves from their creator. So the path they walk, they walk alone. But God is the companion of the righteous. We walk with him. On the path that he designed. He hears our cries. We talk with him. He talks to us. And we realize that when we follow his lead. Our path becomes a safe strong path. Look at chapter 11 verse 5. 11.5, the righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. Then the path of the righteous is a path of obedience that leads us to a life that fulfills us. We often hear people speak this about life, this phrase, is this all there is? Is this all there is? Well, the short answer is no. No, but we shouldn't wonder why people ask that question if they don't know the Lord because they're not finding anything to fulfill them in this world because they weren't created to find fulfillment in all that the world has to offer. We cannot be satisfied apart from God. Mick Jagger was right. We can't get no satisfaction (laughs) apart from God. That's exactly right. But he wants to fulfill us. So that feeling of fulfillment and purpose and contentment is the result of a right relationship with our creator. Look at Proverbs 21:21. 21, 21:21 21. 21, 21. He who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Okay, what's the first thing you have to realize looking at that verse? He who what? Pursues. So is righteousness going to fall in our lap? No. We have to pursue it. In fact, you might jot this number down. Proverbs 15, 9 says, God loves those who pursue Righteousness. And how do we do that? We pray before we act. We think before we speak. We search the word. We search the face of God. We set our heart. We're not satisfied to know, I just screamed at the grocer man. Or, I just hit my kids in anger. Or, we're not satisfied with that. We seek God in those things. That's pursuing diligently. And we don't ignore the sin in our life. We go to God with it. We repent from it. We confess it. Even Jesus said you have to diligently seek righteousness. Look at Matthew 5. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That same idea of fulfillment. This verse in Proverbs 21-21 tells us some of the things that will fill us. First of all, he says, we will get life. And that can be confusing because we see that in Proverbs a lot. So I looked into this. This word life in this verse means spiritual life. You will have a relationship of intimacy with God. How fulfilling is that? You and God. Prosperity. This is not about money here. This is not about finances. Prosperity here means when you pursue righteousness, you get righteousness. That's the prosperity, receiving righteousness. And we become rich in God's grace and goodness. And honor in this verse means respect from man. And I thought, wow, what could be more fulfilling than to have intimacy and enjoy it with God and with man and walk in the riches of God's grace? If you'll notice, in verse 21, it says, He who pursues righteousness and love, love is connected to righteousness, and I wanted to make a point about that. That makes total sense. Because God is love, so the person who's pursuing righteousness will automatically be pursuing God's love along with it because he's love. And so then all of God's commands are connected to love. 1 John 2, 5. If anyone obeys God's word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Well, that's a fulfilled life. To also receive a life filled with love. That's what will fulfill us. In fact, Jesus taught in Matthew 6, if you want to have a life of fulfillment, seek first God's kingdom And his righteousness. And everything else you need will come to you. Seek it. Now here's the amazing thing about God's path of righteousness. It's not only designed for our good. It's designed for the good of others. And that's a great privilege for us. And this truth goes all the way back to Abraham. God called Abraham, said, Abraham, get off your path. It's a dark path. It's aimless. It's not going anywhere. Get on my path. I have some great things for you. I'm going to make you the leader of a great nation. And he says this, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing to others. And people on earth will be blessed through you. We are some of these people. Today, because of his faith, he was the father of a nation that honored the Almighty God. He led people uh, into a nation that would follow God and gave opportunity for other nations to know God. And that can be something we can do. Our faith can affect the world, the lost, and other believers. The steps we take affect other people they either represent God or they don't there's no in between so we have to be bold in choosing to walk the steps of faith that will point others to the living God Proverbs 28:1 don't look it up you can write that down it tells us the righteous are bold as a lion think about those steps we cannot shrink back Worried about what others might say. Worried about how I'm going to look in the PTA meeting. Worried about what's right here. People going to laugh at me. We know who God is. He placed us on his path, so we are bold every time we take one step in front of each other. And Solomon tells us, nations will be stronger when you do that. Your community will be stronger when you do that. The schools will be stronger when you do that. Your families will be stronger when you do that. Proverbs tells us a few ways God uses our steps to bring this about. The path of the righteous is a path of obedience that leads others to the justice of God. Turn to chapter 14, verse 34. I thought this was an edifying uh, few verses for us at this time of the year with the election around the corner. 1434, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Exalt here means to lift up in a moral sense. I thought that was so interesting. So this verse is about when Christians, Stay on the righteous path. A nation is lifted morally. That's why we got to be bold. Lift up our nation morally. John MacArthur said about this verse, Just principles and actions preserve and bring health to a nation. If a Christian isn't reflecting the justice of God, who will do that? That's our job. So when we walk as God designed us to walk, we have the privilege of representing God's justice in an unjust world. And this verse tells us when the Christian is silent, the lost will disgrace a nation. The Arabic translation for this, this is the second half of verse 34. Sin is a disgrace to any people. That translation says sin diminishes people. So, as Christians, our steps have to be bold. Turn to chapter 28. 28:12. 28, when the righteous triumph, there is great elation. But when the wicked rise to power, men go into hiding. We just have to look at history to see how this has been true in the world today. When righteous rule, people are glad and happy because there's order and there's justice. When the wicked rule, people go into hiding. Why? Because there's turmoil and there's oppression. So stay strong. We represent the justice of God when we are walking down our path and a nation rejoices in that. The path of the righteous is a path of obedience that also leads others to the heart of God. Turn to chapter 21. 21 25. The sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. The sin of covetousness, is the mark of a lazy man. The act of benevolence is the mark of a righteous man. The lazy waits, the righteous gives. We have the opportunity to represent the giving, generous heart of God every time we behave in this righteous way in this verse. Okay, turn to chapter 29. 29.7 29 7. The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. Our relationship to God shows up by our attitude toward the needy. The righteous represent God's heart for the needy. The poor here are referring to people that are feeble and helpless. It's easy for these people to be shunned in a society, to be overlooked and ignored. The wicked man, it says in this verse, is not interested in these people because he's pretty much just interested about himself. We show the heart of God by caring about the needy. We treat them with respect, and we plead their cause and their case. I thought about my niece. I have a niece in L.A. who works in the inner city. She's 26, and she works with these teen moms that are unmarried and live in their homes and have a child or two. And it's so fun because she sends us pictures all the time. Here we are at the zoo. Here we are here. We're at the library. She's always with the kids. Every single time one of them has a baby, Emily's there in the hospital with them. She also takes them to camps to teach them about God's ways and raising their child in God's ways. And she leads them into the Word of God. She's besides the poor and the needy. And has that attitude of respect for them. These are just a couple of the ways that we can affect a country and a community. But here's our ultimate hope. When we're walking that path of righteousness, our hope is that the lost will see us. And they'll see that we are representing God's loving heart. And they'll see that we're representing God's good justice. And they'll think that path I like what I see I want to get on that path I have a friend who's in the publishing business he was here just about a month ago and telling me about a book you may know this if you do come up to me later and tell me because I'll let you all know he uh, published a book recently about a radical Muslim who came to America Uh, he was trained to despise us and he did And he came here to try to think of what he could do to harm us and um, be an issue in our country. But before he could do anything, he had this very serious car wreck. Now, he hadn't been here very long. He didn't know anybody. He was very shocked that people stopped their cars and got out and came and helped him. He was very shocked when he found himself in a hospital. He was more shocked that people kept saying, how are you? and people would say I'm worried about you I care about you nurses would tell him I care about you the doctor would tell him it was absolutely nothing he'd ever been told what we would be like it shocked him it upset him it scared him now the doctor didn't take long to realize nobody's visiting him he doesn't really have any money and nobody's gonna care for him so he said Okay, it's time to leave the hospital, but where are you going to go? Who's going to help you? And the man said, I I don't know. The doctor says, come live at my house. And you can convalesce at my house. And we'll take care of you because we care about you. Now, that was kind of the last straw for this man who wanted to hate us all. (laughs) It's an incredible story. He talks about being in the doctor's house. And falling on the floor and saying, I want to get on the path that they're on. I want their God. And now he wears the righteous robe of Christ. God surrounded him with people wearing the robe of Christ. It's a privilege to wear that robe. It's a responsibility to reflect the righteousness of Christ. And it's a joy to understand we can accomplish that when we remember God is on the path with us. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good to us. Thank you for covering us with your grace, your mercies, your forgiveness. May we walk strong in this world, reflecting all of those things to everyone around us, And may your name be praised. In Christ's name, amen.